0: Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at The Granary Church. And good morning, everyone. If I haven't met you before, I'm Paul, one of the pastors here at the Granary. And I want to say today, first of all, a big thank you to those who um, helped over the weekend, moving us into our new ministry centre in Mayfield. So on the weekend, we closed the doors on our food care centre at the far end of Mayfield and we moved up to right in the uh, business centre, the business heart of Mayfield. So we had eight people on Friday, 15 people on Saturday moving us in and it was just fantastic. And, you know, we can't wait to move in there. It's going to be great. We've already. Had one of our men's groups running a barbecue down there outside the shop connecting with the local people and we've got so many things people waiting to run ministry activities down there. The art therapy group will be will be starting soon. Uh, we've got some of our Tuesday night community dinner people who want to start a support group for people with anxiety and depression down there. And, um, you know, there's we're just champing at the bit to get it going. So within the next few weeks, we'll have the food care going. And um, we're in the middle of renovating the flat upstairs which is going to be for young women at risk and um just very very exciting very exciting times so we are at the moment in a series called uh, uh, the Broken Signposts from the Book of John, and we've been looking at the Gospel of John. This is just our second signpost, and today we're going to have a think about uh, power, and in uh, specifically about what it means to to be a witness for for the Lord. And the Broken Signpost series is all about making sense of the world and what's happening in the world around us. And today, when we think about power, I guess we can think of that's such a wide topic and around the world there are such good examples of how power and authority are being exercised and some terrible examples as well. And, uh, you know, when we think about Ukraine, the, the power that's being exerted there for, um, for, for selfish reasons in a way, um, it's, it's just terrible to see the suffering that is caused by the abuse of power around the world. And I don't know about you, but I've experienced some bad examples of, of power and leadership in my life, especially when it came to the workplace. Uh, one workplace many years ago that I was in, it was a school setting. And um, I'd as, as I was there over a number of years, I'd seen uh, the principal of this school, if someone fell out of favour with them, the principal would start to sort of make life a bit difficult for them and and start to embarrass them or take away rights and, and responsibilities and do things to make life hard for them until eventually that person would leave the school. And I had watched that happen to a couple of people and I'd thought, look, if that ha- ever happens to me, I'm not going to, you know, stay for a whole year and be embarrassed and and sort of treated badly I just thought as soon as that starts to happen to me I'm out of here and not not with a big fuss but I'm not going to stand around and just be treated badly like that so what happened was one day the principal of the school walked into my classroom happened to be a year six classroom so I'm teaching these 30 year six kids and he just tore strips off me in front of the kids just really had a go at me verbally and the kids are all there you know with their with their mouths open and um that sort of happened about little lunchtime and by big lunch he had my resignation on his desk and um you know it was it was just one of those things where this was a man who I respected in lots of ways. He, he trained me in a lot of things to do with schooling. But there were just some things about the use of power that were just out of whack. And I don't know. I, I mean, several years later, he actually knocked on our door and came and apologized. Um, he, I guess he just realized on reflection, um, of how he'd abused power in that way. But, uh, I don't know if, if you've had experience of that in the workplace or in other settings in your life where someone who has had authority and, and who has had power has abused that and treated people badly. Power is, is such a, a powerful thing, funnily enough. It's such something that can create life and bring life or it can destroy life. And today we're just going to have a think about that signpost of power and how in the world the use of power, especially when it's used in a, in a good way, is actually a signpost towards God. But we see so much brokenness in this fallen world as power is abused. So first of all, I want to talk about the Queen. Now you might go, not again. We've had enough. We've always been weeks now of hearing about the Queen. But, uh, as a, as a 10 pound pom, some, you know, I lived the first 10, 10 years of my life in England and, uh, had, had a respect for the monarchy even then. But I want to ask the question, why did so many people love the Queen so much? Because it's really been evident that since Queen Elizabeth passed away, She was so loved and revered and respected by so many people, from powerful people right down to people in society you would say had very little power or authority or influence. And you know there are many people in this in this world and in this nation Australia who really didn't like what the queen represented. They didn't like the idea of a monarchy. There are many people who would love this place to be a republic and not to have a queen, someone from another country who was the head of state in this country. There are many people who didn't like the fact that her family brought disrepute upon the monarchy at different times not not all of her family but some of her family had um, you know did some things that brought great disrepute and so there were a lot of people who were who did not like what the queen represented some felt that she represented the colonial age which did so much harm to indigenous societies and um, with the queen reigning over seventy years, certainly reigned over a change and a transition from that colonial age to a to a, a more age of a fellowship, where the Commonwealth of Nations was a, a voluntary gathering of leaders and nations. But most people, I reckon, actually loved the queen. She was approachable. She was gentle. She was kind. She was gracious to all, irrespective of race, creed or class. She wasn't like Parliament where people were firing sarcastic comments all the time and fighting and there was just this, uh, you know, this power struggle. She was never like that. She, the, the authority that she had, she exercised with great grace and not with sarcasm and, and oppositional behaviour. So let me ask a question then. What would you do if someone tomorrow came knocking on your door and said, hey, guess what? We've found this hidden family line and you are actually the next king or queen of England. What would you do? What would, how would you respond? How would you react? Well, you know, when that opportunity came knocking on Queen Elizabeth's door during the coronation, do you know what she did? She knelt down before God in a Christian service of worship, and she pledged herself to serve the people under her authority, to serve them, not to be someone who lorded over people and, and uh, ruled in a bad way, but someone who served. And she asked God for the wisdom and the power to serve. And you know what? Let me read this out to you. The Queen was the patron of over 500 organisations in her lifetime, from charities and military associations, professional bodies and public service organisations. And having Her Majesty as patron or president often provided vital publicity for their work and allowed their enormous achievements and contributions to society to be recognised. So the queen not only knelt before God as her first official act, but she carried it out in serving the people of her nation in helping charities in helping groups that would be salt and light in society and I I guess I want to ask the question where where did that come from in her life what was it about her life that prompted her to lead in such a beautiful way let's go to Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 to 20 now this is what we call the great commission this is Jesus at the end of his life Uh, just before he went into heaven, giving this commission to his disciples. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, this is called the Great Commission because this is Jesus at the end of his life, Jesus, the King of kings, who was creator of the world, saying, I'm going to delegate to you people, to my followers the authority to go and make other followers. This is my call on your life. This is the authority that I'm giving you. It's an authority to share the love that you have known from me and to share the good news that you are going to understand with other people. It's that call to go out and make other and make disciples, help people to come to faith and to grow in faith. And the Queen was someone who took that seriously in her life. How many people remember the Queen's Christmas messages? She unashamedly shared the good news of Jesus every time the opportunity came. She would speak about her faith in the Lord and she would speak about him as the one who could make a difference, in not only in her life, but in society. She had that delegated authority. Now, Let's have a little look at Acts chapter 2, actually. It is, it, I think it says Acts 1 there, but it's Acts 2. Oh, no, sorry, Acts one eight. yep. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Now, a lot of Christians often take that to mean you will do witnessing. You will do witnessing in Judea and Jerusalem, Judea in these concentric circles that spread out to the ends of the earth. But it doesn't say you will do witnessing. It actually says you will be my witnesses. It's about who you are. It's about who you become when you're born again and you let the Holy Spirit transform your life when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and uh, t- makes you into someone who not is, is not self centered anymore, but perhaps is service centered, is other centered, is able to not let go of thinking about ourselves and look at others and the needs of others and begin to serve and to minister and make a difference in the world. And this comes through what we call the great, um, commandment. You know, G- what did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? He said, if this is in John 13, a new commandment I give to you that you what? Love one another as I have loved you. So let's ask ourselves, where did this come from with the Queen? She took the commandments of Jesus and the power of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit seriously in her life and she was a witness. It was who she was. She showed the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you know. It was who she became. So let's have a look at that Um even in the Old Testament, the presence of the Holy Spirit made a difference. So, um, for example, in Zechariah, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What was important was not the earthly power that was exerted through Israel, but the Holy Spirit's presence leading and guiding and empowering. And the same when they would, you know, the people of Israel would go out to battle. If we look at 2 Chronicles 20, we see that the people of Israel were standing in assembly. They were facing this great army, this great enemy, and as they began to sing and praise. the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. You know when we come here in here uh, on Sunday after Sunday and we're praising and we're lifting up praise and worship, you know what God's going into battle. For us, on our behalf, on behalf of your marriage, on behalf of your family, on behalf of your workplace, when we come and we humble ourselves here before him and we sing, Lord, you know, all to Jesus I surrender, I'm giving it all to you, when we sing those things, God says, great because I'm going to fight your battles. I'm going to come. I'm going to change what's going on in in your workplace, and I'm going to change you as a person. So let's ask ourselves then again, where did the Queen get such authority and power and love and respect? The signposts that we're going to be looking at in John, things like justice, relationships, spirituality, beauty, freedom, truth, and power, I want to Focus us in now on, on the book of John and especially where this idea comes from—that service and servanthood and submission are power. From John thirteen chapter three. So this is set in the Last Supper. So Jesus, it's the night before he was on the night that he was betrayed, the night before he was crucified. Jesus, it says this: Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So at that point in time, God the Father had put all things, everything, the history of the world, the future of the world, the creation and the redemption of this world were in his power. All things were in Jesus' power. And at that point in time, whether he'd known it as a child, whether he'd known it as a teenager, whether he'd known it when he was healing and delivering people, he knew it at that point. He knew that the Father had put all things under his power, which literally is into his hands. It was all in his hands to do. At that point in time in his life, he knew that he had come from God and was returning to God. He knew that he was the Son of God. He knew that he was the second person of the Trinity and that he had all power. And so what did he do? What would you do if that was you? If all of a sudden you realized I, there's so much power and influence I've got in my hand, what would you do? What did Jesus do? This is what Jesus did. He got up from the Passover meal, took off his outer clothing, he took off his fine clothes, and he wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured some water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Do you realize that at that point in time when he, had, he knew he had all that power, everything, he knew he was the commander of heaven's armies. He could have at that point in time called down the armies of heaven, the angelic armies, and just smashed the power of Rome in, in Israel. He could have, you know, done away with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He could have done any of those things if he'd exercised the power that he had at that point in time. But what did he do? He knelt down. And he washed the feet of his disciples who he knew would betray him within the next 24 hours. Do you find that incredible? I find that absolutely amazing that at that point in time when the power and the authority that he had as the son of God was at its most, that his knowledge of it was at its, at its most, that he would actually choose to kneel down and humble himself and serve those around him with that love that he'd he'd spoken about to us, as I have loved you, as I have loved you. Not long after that, in the book of John, we'll read that he went out to the Jews again. This is um, Pilate now. And Pilate said to him, now remember, Pilate was the ultimate Earthly authority at that point in time in that place. He was the ultimate political authority. Pilate said, I find no crime in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. Will you have me release for you the king of the Jews? That's Jesus. And they cried out. What did the people cry out? No, not Jesus, but Barabbas. Interesting name, Barabbas, Barabbas. Abba, what's Abba in Hebrew? Father, what's Ba? Son, son of the father. He was this murderous rebel who was, his, his name was the son of the father, but he was anything but the son of the father in his actions, in his character and who he was. He had the name, but he didn't have anything else that showed that he was the son of the father. But they cried out for his release and the true son of the father. They said crucify him. Crucify him. The people, the politicians and the Pharisees, the religious people of the day. Pilate said to Jesus, you will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have the power to release you and the power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from above. All power is delegated, all authority is delegated and God can use even the wickedness of people and politics and religion because at that point in time people and politics and religion were all coming against Jesus and leading him to the cross where the powers of darkness that were behind all this, the evil powers of Satan and his hordes were pushing things towards the death of the son of man, the son of God. But what happened when he died? Was it a, was it a win for the enemy? No, it was a a win for God because in the giving up of his life, in the humbling of himself, in serving all of us and all mankind for the generations to come, in dying on the cross, in shedding his blood, Jesus showed how power and authority should be exercised. And that God was not a God who just looked, you know how people say, I think Pastor Sue said this before, you know, you talk to someone and say, do you want to come to church? And they say, no, the roof will fall in or there'll be a bolt of lightning that will come and, and get me, you know, wrong concept of God. What God showed us was that his heart was to love and to serve and to even give his son to serve and to love and to bless and to bring humanity back to himself. And so I want to finish up with this. Because we we all want to be his witnesses. Like I hope you do, I do, but what I want is more of the Holy Spirit. I want more of the Spirit's power so that I can be his witness. But let's think about the four great powers of witnessing on planet Earth. The first one is sin. Why is sin a great power for witnessing and being a witness on planet earth? Because the darker the darkness gets around us, the more the light shines in the darkness. And around us, we see a world that is a, a and, and a nation and, and a season, especially in Western life and Western thinking. That is becoming darker and darker. The kind of um, way, direction we're being led in, uh, in especially in things like sexuality and gender, they're all just leading us into more and more darkness. And as people's mental health in this nation becomes worse and worse, and, and look, all the figures are just showing how anxiety and depression and fear and all sorts of other mental issues are increasing in this society as sin is taking more and more of a grip in people's lives and things become darker in their lives, just the littlest ray of light They'll be attracted to it they'll be drawn to it and you know what church we are the light that's what we want to do down at 252 we want to be the light down there in mayfield and you know what as people walk by they like everybody almost everybody stops for a chat what's happening here what are you going to do what what will it be about what's going on and it's just this opportunity just to be witnesses you know we can say to them well uh, you know, the, uh, there's, a, there's a men's group in this church. I don't know if you realize it's called the Heretics. Okay, now we didn't give them that name. That's what they call themselves. There's one up the back. There's a heretic. I can see him up there. I'm not going to say who it is. But they meet during the week for a Bible study and they meet on the Saturday morning, a men's group, uh, and they have... Uh, some um, breakfast together or brunch, and they have some sanctified conversation, let's say, sanctified conversation. So it's not really a study, just a group where men share what's going on in their lives. And that's a group that put on the barbecue the other week. And you know what, people were walking by and we were able to just give them a sausage sandwich. What's What's good about Bunnings? There's sausage sandwiches. Come on, that's the best thing about bunnies. Maybe not the best, but it's pretty good. But as that people walked by, we hey, would you like a sausage sandwich? Yeah, what are you guys doing? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, you know. <laughs> but, it, you know, we weren't there sort of standing on a soapbox preaching sin and hellfire. We weren't doing that. We were sharing the great uh, commandment and the great commission. We love people as Jesus loved us, serving people and in so doing, opening up for us to share the gospel. Sin, salvation, and the last thing is scripture. You know, the scripture is is powerful. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. If you can um, direct people to scripture, to the gospel of John, you know, if you – I think in a, in a few weeks' time or a couple of months, we're having someone from the Gideons come along. The Gideons are a group that that give out Bibles and they have got stories of how the Scripture, just picking up a Bible, has changed lives. Audrey and I know a person who, uh, who we, we knew very well in, um, in Ulladulla where we used to live and she went to a hotel room to kill herself and she sat in that hotel room contemplating what she was going to do and she opened the drawer and there was a Gideon's Bible and she started to read it and as she read it she couldn't put it down and God met her in the, through the scriptures, through the words of scripture. And you know what? The scripture is the power of God. The gospel is there in the scripture, especially in the gospels, the four gospels, where we find the stories of Jesus who came to set us free, who to heal us, to deliver us. And so what I want to do today as we finish up now is I want to ask you, do you feel right now empowered by the Holy Spirit? Have, do you feel like you're that Acts church. Are you? Are you feeling? Yep. I know that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I know um, that that the Spirit of God is is really working in and through my life. Do you know someone who you've been praying for, who you want to come to salvation, who you want to come to that change in life, that saving faith in Jesus, and uh, to bridge that gap between God and man through the the death and resurrection of Jesus well, then let's come out and get some prayer for them or let's start to pray for them even now. But let's stand to our feet and let's just ask the Holy Spirit now. So let's stand up. Holy Spirit. We want you to come in this place. We want to be filled, Lord, with your power. We want, like the first church, Lord God, to be people who leave this place singing your praises and telling of your glory and empowered, Father God, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. May who we are be a light to those around us. And, Father, I just speak blessing now over families, over workplaces, Lord, we think of children who are not walking with you at the moment. Father, we lift them to you. Holy Spirit, just even now be working in their hearts, Lord God. Bring in the sheaves, Lord God. Bring in the harvest. Move Holy Spirit in their life. Let's just give the Holy Spirit a minute to... Bring to mind and, and to and for you to pray and to ask him to be active. Send Christians across their path, Lord God, who will witness for you, who will be witnesses by their love and witness by sharing the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. And come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, in this place, creating us not only clean hearts, Lord God, but the character of Jesus, that we, like him, might kneel before you and kneel before people and love them and serve them. Come, Holy Spirit.